This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And we... Oh, you were talking to me? I'm sorry. <laughs> and King Kunta. Yes, King Kunta. That was King Kunta by Kendrick Lamar. Um, again, we're kicking off Let Your Voice Be Heard with a conversation about roots. Um, my name, again, is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz on the PC Ones and Twos, Jackie Cohen, Alyssa Fuchs, and our new intern, Monty. Um, and as I mentioned before, we went on break. Um, we're talking about the remake of Roots. We're going to talk about, of course, the original. And we'll also juxtapose it to some of the issues that we're dealing with today. So let's just take it back to 1977. The miniseries Roots, um, that's when it first was etched into American history as a life-changing moment in our society. Over 100 million Americans watched the original series on ABC, and that has made it the most watched TV event of all time. So it was based on the international bestseller and Puzzler Prize uh, winning Pulitzer. book, Pulitzer Prize winning book uh, written by Alex Haley. He also wrote the autobiography of Malcolm X, mm-hmm. FYI. And um, so and it instantly became a cultural phenomenon. Um, it sparked one of the first national conversations on race, mm-hmm. and it also encouraged more people to engage seriously about um, uh, American slavery. So um, another thing that it did, it was it made people feel connected to the history of slavery in a way that was never really felt before. I mean, you had these stark visual images of people coming over here, being captured, taken from the homeland, coming over here in ships, dying um, and then just just living a life of brutality, of severe violence, of rape, of sadness and so much trauma. And we were finally like seeing it on broadcast television so it's like if you you know a lot of people knew that slavery existed but it's one thing to see it's one thing to to see a slave um to know his name to know his family's name to see his daughter being snatched from him to see his toes being cut off i mean you know it really just put a visual on the things that we knew and you know sometimes i think not everyone knew how severe slavery was a lot of people just thought it was like an economic institution that you know happened and it's very unfortunate but we needed it and it was so so long ago and that's not true that's not true. It was not that long ago. And the ramifications are still felt today very much. Um, no, that's, that's absolutely right. And if, guys, I just wanted to chime in. If you want to let your voice be heard on this comment, the number again is 212-6903. So, again, it was um, – we also were able to finally see, like, the crime of, of violence and the level of violence that was happening to real people. Most people watched it. A lot of people watched it. Most people received it well, but not everyone did. Ronald Reagan, who was at the time, had already run for president in 1976, and he was preparing to do so again in 1980. He called the TV series, and I quote, anti-white, end quote, propaganda meant to stir up unrest in their inner cities. Of course he did. Sounds like Fox News, yeah. right? It sounds like a be- it sounds like the Beyonce Super Bowl performance right, right. and Bill O'Reilly just like, what? what is this anti-white propaganda? Mm-hmm. What is being fed to our children, right? So this is what happened in 1977. I want to say like my, my, my family remembers it. They remember watching it. Uh, my grandmother actually had to stop watching it because she became so enraged that it was uh, affecting her psyche. So that's how powerful it was. And remember, TV wasn't as violent as it was before so seeing these images really really penetrated deep into people's hearts minds and souls so on memorial day 2016 our generation had a chance to relive some of this history 
through the four-night, eight-hour version of Roots that broadcast on the History Channel. Now, the new Roots has a lot more action. A lot of people said the old Roots was sort of like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. This one is like an action movie. Um, the new Roots has very strong actors. The first one did, too. They had, like, Cicely Tyson and John Amos. Um, even O.J. Simpson was in it. Um, the new Roots has a much higher production value, obviously, it's 2016, and also an overarching resistance theme that sort of reminded me of Quentin Tarantino's um, Django Unchained. Like, that's how much action and resistance there was. I mean, it, it really was. I mean, like, a lot of times in a lot of slave documentaries or how we looked at slavery, we, th- we looked at slaves as very docile and submissive. Docile. Docile and submissive and like they just did things just to, you know, get by. And there you didn't really see a lot of the revolts. You didn't really see a lot of people fighting back. And I think that the remake of Roots did a good job in um, just showing some of that resistance. And honestly, it gave me nightmares. Um, I don't watch horror films often. That's not a horror film. It it felt like a horror film. Look, I don't seven years old. I don't subscribe to a lot of violence on TV, right? I don't watch a lot of horror. So, I mean, to see something as brutal as, you know, someone's toes being cut off and all of the rape scenes, it really affected well, me. Well, I think it's even more traumatic when you watch it and know that this is what happened. Right. And this is what happened to, you know, your own people and you can see yourself put in that position, right? That is even more scary than a fictional horror film. No, yeah, absolutely right. And to know that this is exactly what happened to the people in my lineage, I mean, my family's from South Carolina and also have strong roots in, um, that are Native American. So I was like, this is my great-great-grandmother mm-hmm. and grandfather right here. But, you know, I definitely want to get you guys' reaction from the panel. And again, if you want to call in, give some reaction about the remake of Roots. The number is 212-650-6903. So, yeah, guys, you know, reaction from the panel. Um, what was If you can give reaction and then name one of your highlights. I want to say a highlight. So before I get to me, yes. I want to say you guys can also tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. We got Monty on the Twitter ones and twos over there. Um, and so for me, I would say a highlight. My favorite part of the story was just like learning about Chicken George. The thing that kind of made me the saddest that hit me the hardest was at the end of episode three. And no spo- spoilers. Well, spoiler but, alert, guys. Yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> Um, episode three, but that's where, the only spoiler alert you're going to get. There's going to be a lot of spoilers throughout this segment. So yeah. Definitely. Um, if, if you haven't watched it yet, you may want to t- tune out for now and listen back on the podcast after you watch if it. If you don't yeah. know how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you can't guess about how the slavery story ends. Slaves. Yes. So, um, at the end of episode three, which Chicken George... He wins a big fight for his master. And because his master is an idiot, he's like, oh, let's go again. And the guy loses this time. And the person he faces offers to buy Chicken George in in return of not like charging him the $30,000 he would have owed that guy. So the guy sells off Chicken George and Chicken George gets like just dragged on to England without ever seeing his family or saying, having a chance to say goodbye to them after he was told that he'd be free if he won this bet. Which is interesting because I found that the this version was much more historically accurate on a lot of other points, uh, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning, um, which I'm going to come back to in a second. But this is one point that I found to be not historically accurate mm-hmm. because the slavery was outlawed in England way before it was outlawed in the United States. And if you trace the timeline of when Chicken George was sent to England... Well, when 1860s he, when and he, it was outlawed in the 1830s. Got, right, exactly. When he Right. got to England at that point, that he wouldn't have been able to be held at a sla- as a slave in theory. It would have been illegal. So that was the one issue I sort of had historically timeline. But 
to your point about mm-hmm. just somebody being snatched away from their family and sold to another, like, you know, it's like your life wasn't yours. Yeah. You know, your children's life wasn't theirs. Like, you, the, your children and their children were born into slavery, and you had no control if your master wanted to send your kids to somewhere else or send you to somewhere else and just uproot your whole family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that makes it much harder for people to trace their lineage. Uh, um, Alyssa, did you want to name a highlight, or was that one of your... No, no, no. I, so my highlight was, was I was getting back to that um, is I really liked how they talked about the beginning. So a lot of people have this misconception. Well, yes. So white people did show up on the shores of Africa and kidnap Africans and and put them on slave ships and send them to the U.S. But a lot of um, historically accurate um, is that there's lots of different kingdoms in Africa around that time. And these kingdoms in Africa are warring with each other. And so when you lose a war or you take prisoners of war or, you know, you kidnap other people from other tribes and other kingdoms. And then Africans were selling other Africans into slavery because the English were offering guns and liquor. And so you had a lot of warring between the kingdoms. The original roots did not address that history in detail. The new roots did. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really great so that we could have actual historical accuracies about how the slave trade really gets picked up from Western Africa. Can I jump in for just one second before we go to Jackie? So good point, Alyssa. I just want to point out also that like just the the definition or like what slavery looked like back then was completely different. And what happened when it came over to the States in Jamestown, slavery was fundamentally changed. So, and not not apologizing for them, like, you know, other Africans selling their own people out to slavery, but the, what slavery was, was very different at that time, what they were doing. So, like, you know, just, like, for some background on that. And then also, just, like, white folk are crazy. So let's just make sure we, we right. stay rooted in that. It was, it, was, it was different because you could actually buy your way out of slavery. There was a part in the remake where he says, how long am I going to be a slave? Kunta says that because in other parts of Africa, you would work for seven years. You would work for eight years. That's even in some part. Yeah, in the Bible where, you know, you worked your way out of slavery. When it was when slavery came to the Americas, you were born into it. And then there were laws passed as early as 1640 um, that would just keep this institution going. Um, just furthermore, Selena, just to say, um, yeah, also that and also the treatment of slaves. Yes, um, in, in most places, slavery, you looked at as a lesser person. But like just the treatment of it was a lot different. It wasn't as it wasn't as brutal in most places either. So like I just I really want to like couch in the fact that the way that slavery was morphed in, uh, in on the in Americas is like is, is in, in no way that anyone could have expected a scene. It was definitely shifted in a way that was like very brutal, yeah. very like just um discriminatory and financially motivated. Unprecedented. Yes. Yeah. So to preface, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. I, so you I'm have your uh, you have all the spoilers. Up. I have all the spoilers. I know it's totally getting spoiled for me, but I am still looking forward to watching it when I get home tonight. Um, but I do think I want to say that I think that the remake of this is really important. I think that seeing a visual representation of one's history is really important. And I know that this is something that I have had a lot of growing up as a Jew in the United States, hearing about the Holocaust and hearing and seeing you know films and representations of my people's history. Um, portrayed, I really feel like I have a good sense of what, you know, the the struggle of my ancestors um, and what they went through. And I think that to have a visual representation of your history, one that's accurate and that shows the brutality of it, right, that isn't like a soap opera, but really shows how, and, you know, it's always going to be more dramatic or more whatever. Or maybe life is more dramatic than what is being portrayed. But I think that the remake of this is really important. And I think it's, you know, like Jews always say, like, never forget, because when you do, it's going to happen again. So I think that that's why 
um, the remake of Roots is so, so important. Well, that actually leads me to another point of this conversation that I wanted to have, and that is about the backlash. So the remake of Roots, again, it aired on Memorial Day, and a lot of people on Twitter were just outraged. Snoop Dogg, the rapper, called for a boycott. A lot of people were saying, you know, I'm tired of the portrayal of slavery in and through the eyes of Hollywood. Snoop Dogg said he wants to see more people. He wants to see more stories about the success of black people. And he's just tired of us looking like victims and slaves. And he, you know, a lot of people retweeted him and said, like, even David Banner retweeted, and they were like, I'm not going to watch it. And then other people were yeah. like, you know what? Let, I do want to watch it. So I want to get your reaction. The question I want to ask you guys is um, do, you, do you think Snoop Dogg's reaction was wrong about the remake of Roots and calling for that boycott? And it actually points towards me directly. Well. <laughs> so, yes and no. Yes, because I totally get where he's coming from. I'm tired of the only time movies or shows where um, with the mostly black cast get fully funded is when it's a Marvel movie or when it's about black people getting the crap beat out of them. It's it's just not fun to me. And you have all these amazing directors and actors and actresses who are looking for work, and they can't find work or a good movie unless it's a slave movie. I'm tired of like movies about black people only getting Oscars or whatever the award is called when they get they get the crap beat out of them or like they're begging some white person for freedom. But no, because that's not what Roots was about at all. As as I think you guys both all mentioned already, like this is it was not just hey, master, please free me. This was very nuanced. So, and also Snoop is an idiot because he doesn't invest in good black movies anyway. <sighs> I mean, I think that there's a point to what Stanley made. Um, you know, oftentimes we see people of color getting accolades and acting for roles like in The Help or 12 Years a Slave. But I think that those I don't I don't think that those portrayals or those stories are unimportant. I think that they have to be mirrored with stories of success. And, um, you know, it's bad when you're just portraying one group of people in a particular way that shows them as victims um, or you know, only shows the bad without showing the good, right? Um, there needs to be a balance. But I do think that history is important, and I think it's important to remember how terrible this was um, and how devastating it was to a group of people. Um, but on the flip side, I, I see the point that there needs to be more stories, in Hollywood especially, that portray people of color in a positive um powerful light. No, I agree with all of that. Uh, you know, I you know, but I think just because there needs to be more of these stories that portray the 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 positive light doesn't mean we should shy away from addressing, you know, hard issues about reality, about about the history of this country. Like, you know, great line, Michelle Obama was here at City College. She gave the commencement speech, and as part of that commencement speech, she mentioned that her and Barack live in a house, the White House that was built by slaves. That's what a lot of, you know, that's what you have to consider is that a lot of this country was built on slave labor. Why were these people in the South on the plantation so successful? Because they weren't paying anybody to do their work. Right. They were enslaving people who did the work for them. So, you know, you have to really look at that and say it's really important as a country for us not only to not forget that, but to keep addressing it. Because when we look at some of the things, and I don't want to skip us too far ahead, but when we look at some of the things that are going on today and we look at the Black Lives Matter movement and we go back to the 60s and we look at the civil rights movement and you know and we go back even further to that and we look at, at Jim Crow and about reconstruction I mean like all these things are interrelated the reason why you still have such segregation and such poverty in certain pockets and places throughout this country in communities of color is directly related to 
the transatlantic slave trade. And if we forget that, then we're not doing ourselves any favors because we're not learning from that. And then we're bound to repeat that. And that's exactly what we should make sure that we don't want to do. And that's why it's so important in my mind to continue to do it. And I understand this concern that you don't want black people always playing slaves. I get that. But, you know, it's like at the same time, who else is going to play them? You want a bunch of white people dressing up in blackface to play those roles? They already do it anyway. Like, listen, they made a movie about Egypt and put all white people there. Okay, so going with a black eyeliner. And, like, that's that's the deeper, that's my deeper issue is that, listen, we need to hear these stories. You're absolutely right. But but don't erase us for the rest of our history. I agree. And I I agree. And I I agree with everything Alyssa said. And I just want to piggyback on what uh, Jackie was saying about the Holocaust because when it comes to the Jewish community, when it comes to the Asian community, I don't ever hear people saying, stop talking about encampment prisons. Stop talking about the Holocaust. I just want to just, that was decades ago we need to move on it's time to move on you don't hear that but I feel like within the black community you do hear a lot of people saying that it's time to move on and they don't want to deal with the shame and the pain and I understand that but the thing is the shame and that pain does not fall on us it falls on the slave owners and it falls on the larger mainstream society so I think that um, when we look at it from those eyes it's it's crucial for us to continue to keep this in public consciousness and to tell these stories to our children I was never told any story from my family about slavery. I only had it through history. That is that is pretty normal in black communities. We don't talk about it. But on that note, we have to go on a quick break. But when we come back, we will continue this discussion about the remake of Roots right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Middle fingers up. I feel like Not you, Selena, because you don't like to cuss, but the rest Stanley of us do. Bag. Like, I feel Never like mind. slave masters are like, sorry, I ain't sorry. <laughs> like, they like, sorry. <laughs> We ain't sorry. That was Fox News no, all last week during probably, which area. You're, you're not getting okay. reparations. Sorry, we ain't sorry. Yeah. That's that's basically when what they that is. Throw Toby's foot, sorry, not sorry. Basically. All right, guys. So we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. My name is Selena Hill. We have Stanley Fritz on the PC ones and twos, Jackie Cohen, Alyssa Fuchs, and our new intern, Monty. All right, guys. So where we left off, we were talking about the remake of Roots. Um, we were talking about just some of the uh, the connections to the old roots and then just getting some of that reaction that we had. Um, and I understand we have Miss Deborah on the line who would like to let her voice be heard. And, of course, guys, if you're listening and you want to chime in, the number is 212-650-6903. Good morning, Miss Deborah. Good morning, Selena. How are you? Good. Thank you. Oh, good. Listen, I think that um, we shouldn't be too hard on... Snoop Dogg? Say that about him. Um, Snoop Dogg. I really shouldn't because, you know, maybe something good will happen out of this. Maybe his son or daughter will become a historian. And then he will finally understand how important it is. Because how he walks around looking sometimes, I wonder. I truly, truly wonder. I, I, I'm very happy that they, they remade it because... Some people say, oh, I don't know if I want to watch this one because I watched the first one. I said, well, that's because you're connected to it. But it didn't necessarily really give you all that it should have. But then again, when you don't have your money in it, it never does. And I don't know how much money we had in it, but I do know the co-producer was with Bob Burton. So 
I was kind of pleased with that. So, as far as uh, slavery is concerned, we're talking. I, I I I feel so good. I felt so good to hear Miss Fields say what she said. But Selena, sometimes, you know, I I feel like you don't, you do know, but maybe it's because, and I don't want to be condescending. Maybe it is because of your youth. You sound so black sedaisical, like this is not something that happened and then someone gave you reparations and you went away and you lived happily ever after. This stuff is still going on. And and you know what makes me even more, what makes me it's scarier? When I see you with a computer or an iPhone and you start, I, I, it's something about that. There's no connection. People don't want to talk. And so I, 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 I just think that Roots is something that African-American people are going to have to talk about. It's like going to therapy. Mm. We never went to therapy for it. No, no, I, I completely agree. The iPhone and computer is because we're doing radio and I have to keep up with people who are tweeting us. We always get new. A lot of times we break news. So, you know, I have to keep this phone and we have to keep the computer here Come just on, for uh, technical reasons. But I think that, I mean, I don't feel lackadaisical about slavery. I was a little taken by, you know, you saying that, Ms. Deborah, because I, you know, I saw the show saying I had nightmares. Um, it's been deep rooted in my psyche. I keep seeing slavery everywhere I go. Like, you know, I work at Black Enterprise and I'm doing research and I see these rich white men and I'm like this is the result of years generational wealth that started on plantations and the reason why black people have never reached that level is because we started with nothing after they released us a lot of black people stayed on that farm and became sharecroppers because they had nowhere to go there was writing in uh, President uh, Abraham Lincoln did take some action to give 40 acres and a mule and to give reparations but he was shot and it never happened and so many white southerners worked to reverse that and then they terrorized us so I mean I don't know I think I would be the last person to say I'm lackadaisical when it comes to issues about slavery and connecting that and calling out for reparations no I usually jump at any chance to make fun of Selena but no I don't <laughs> this is something I should def- definitely take seriously but you know, Miss Deborah brought up a good point about this being therapy because as you oh, know yeah. I was very against like I was like annoyed by the, them doing another route and then I watched it and it was definitely therapy for me oh um, how so it just well, one one of the things I've been very afraid to do is kind of like look up into like my my background, my ancestry, because right. mm. I don't know what the hell I'm gonna find, mm. um, and I don't know if I'll find anything at all. And I feel like a lot of people, black people, like you don't, you just don't, because you know, like it's so scattered, you might not know anything. And one of the things that kept going back to it, Ruth, is like, how can you know who you are? How can you be the person you need to be if you don't know where you come from and what you are? Right. And that's why I think that the visual representation of your history is so important, right? It's, I don't, it's weird, right? Because, like, we are each our own individual people with our own personalities. And, you know, certainly knowing about my ancestry and my history is... I can't really explain why it's so important to me, but it is. And I think that it it helps me understand who I am and where it it humbles me a little bit to know like where my family maybe has come from versus and where I am now and what I have because of what they've provided for me. And so I think that to not have that um, 
it, it just helps build more of a sense of self, I think, in my experience. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with that. I, it's part of the reason why <clears throat> Jewish people tell the story of Passover right, right. every single year and do a Seder. And, uh, you know, b- uh, the big Boom. part of that Seder is to address the notion that once we were slaves, but now we are free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I think that it, it's therapeutic in that way. I mean, even when I watched Roots, just this idea that Kunta Kinte was kidnapped out of Africa, never saw his family again. He then, you know, married Belle, and they had a daughter who was born into slavery, Kizzy. And then Kizzy has a son with the, with the master, who's technically half, you know, white English or whatever Tom Lee was. He was Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then he he has children in America, and, like, all these children are born into slavery, and this repeats over and over and over again until finally the Civil War. And then, you know, as you already mentioned, the sharecropping and people staying on plantations. And the genesis of that, going from Africa, directly back to Africa, to today, it, it, it's there's a clear lineage. I mean, I, I, just to give you some numbers, in the 18th century alone, six to seven million slaves were imported into America. And that's just people that were imported from the northwest regions of Africa, because a lot of people from southwest Africa were sent to Brazil to, uh, you know, South they America. were sold into slavery in South America. In the, the people who were sold into slavery um, in the north were mostly the Mandinka people, which is also known as the Mandingos and the Malinke. They're a West African group of people that spread across Guinea, the Ivory Coast, Mali, Senegal, Gambia, and Guinea, Guinea-Bissau. Um, the, the Mandinka people, like during, through the 13th to the 16th centuries and beginning in the 16th century, tens of thousands of Mandinka people were captured, were shipped to America as slaves. Of the approximately 388,000 Africans that landed in America as a result of the slave trade, historians believe that 24% of them were Senegambians from the region of West Africa that compromises Senegal and Gambia. And what's so interesting about this is I'm just watching Anthony Bourdain last week. And his latest episode is in Senegal. And he meets a guy there who worked as a chef in America for a while and then went back to Senegal. And he asks him about, have you ever been to the American South? And they have a whole conversation about shrimp and grits. And the guy says, they stole that, meaning American, Southern Americans stole shrimp and grits. But that's not the right that's not the right answer. It's not that the dish was stolen. It's the people were stolen. The people were stolen or sold out of Africa. That's how shrimp and grits ends up in the American South. That's a Senegalese dish. Right. So, you know, that genesis, even today, if you go sit down in Harlem and order shrimp and grits, you're literally eating a dish that was shipped over in the 16th century from Senegal with slavery. No, it, it's so true. And I mean, my grandmother, who was from the who was from South Carolina, she ate grits almost every single day of her life. And with there salt, was, right? Oh, yeah. I, I don't want to put the sugar in it. Don't put no and sugar in grits. <laughs> she used cheese, to get mad at that. Cheese, cheese, But like, and there was, a, there's so many other customs that I used to watch and I, I don't even think that she was aware of. Like, she used to sleep with a comb underneath her pillow and it was superstitious and I didn't understand at that time the, the, um, the connection superstition had to what was going on in slavery and how those customs from West Africa and those religious, spiritual, and rituals were also passed down. So, I mean, it's definitely a lot, and you see that reflected in the remake of Roots. Yeah. And one of the things that the remake of Roots didn't talk about, but they couldn't, but I, I kind of wish they could have, or that we do something about it now that I'm past my, we shouldn't talk about this phase, is I really wish we could look at slavery in the Caribbean because I'm Haitian, yes. and, like, slavery in the Caribbean was, looks very different, and right. well, some historically will say it was even more brutal than the, the state. 
and in a lot of ways. So, like, let's see what the Haitian Revolution looks like. Let's look at how those those Haitian black slaves and the mulatto, the free mulattoes, and the, and the poor um like natives, how they got together to overthrow the um the French the French government parliament, whatever it was called at that time. Like, I really want to have that conversation. I'd love to learn and be more. Ingo- I'm ingo- waiting that. for that documentary I, miniseries to come out about yeah, the Haitian I, Revolution. I I agree with you. Um, that that's something that should be discussed. I I think the reason why it's not brought up in roots. Oh, we killed some white no, folks. it's just because Roots is centralizing at looking at American right. history yeah, yeah, and American yeah. slavery. Um, but I think it's definitely a good point and something that should be brought up in a future, you know, documentary. I think it would be a great thing for for people to address. Right. So another reason why I think that the the remake of Roots really resonated with me and people of this generation is because there were so many ties to what's going on today. So there's this one scene when Noah, who's this light skinned young slave, he looked like he was like 19, 20 years old and he, you know, he was trying to run away and he, right, stop Stanley. Stanley said he was a Kappa. But anyway, but he could have been. But anyway, so anyway, so he was hiding and then they found him, they discovered him. So while he, so he ran out of his hiding place and he's like running into the field and all of a sudden you see several white men shooting him in the back. And I watched that and I thought of Walter Scott and I thought of Jamar Clark and I thought of this other Hispanic man that was shot, that was running away from cops in Washington State um, in early, I think, January 2015 um, in Paso, Washington. And, you know, as soon as he turned around with his hands up, he was shot and it was on camera. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is a reoccurring occurrence that has been going on for how long? We have black men being shot in the back by white people while they are running. Um, Something similar, but more personal. The way Chicken George, when he was younger, he kept feeling like if he just like did good by his master, his master would finally treat him like an equal. Mm. I spent a large part of my life caping white people, like trying to be like, I'm a good black guy. I read, I write, I'm not a thug. And I thought that if I did that, that like white people would just accept me. And you know what? You know, if you're going to be a racist, you're going to be a racist. And that's mm-hmm. not to say that all white people are racist, but you need to be who you are because it doesn't matter. Ronald Reagan saw Roots and said, this is white genocide. <laughs> so what is like, it doesn't mean anything. A racist will be a racist. You can't change that. Right. No, that's very true. Well, you know, I, the, uh, on that note, mm-hmm. there's a great scene. I'm not sure which which one, it, which episode it's in, but um, the, the guy who's the free black man who bought his way out of slavery. And they ask him about it. And he basically makes a comment, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, you know, everything's all good unless I run into some white person that wants to see my papers or, you know, gets a little sketchy, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, then I have to worry about, well, I might get killed anyway. Or I might get lynched anyway. And, like, that made me think so much of some of the things that we see going on today which like when you said that you had to take your ID to go throw out the garbage oh, yeah. living in Harlem because like, I almost got arrested right and like it. that's what I thought about when he made that comment about being a free man and having to show his papers or you know anytime some white uh, white guy was giving him side eye about you know he never knows even though he's free whether or not somebody may capture him and sell him back into slavery mm-hmm. so I thought that was really very interesting as well so I wanted to sh- shift gears just lightly and not the way you think because your eyes are getting very big. We've been talking about the experience of the men a lot of this, and I really want to talk about the experience of women because I feel like the main protagonist, the one that was my favorite, favorite character was Tizzy. Kizzy. Kizzy. Kizzy, pardon me. And I really want to talk about the point that made me really uncomfortable mm. when that free man was trying to buy her from Tom and... They were pretty. He was like, "Well, you know." They started going over like her quote unquote strengths and weaknesses. She goes, "Well, she's past baby bearing age, 
but she's strong. And like the guy's like $2,000, which in this time, in this money, it'd be about $120,000. That's how much that'd be worth. But they were literally pretty much putting a price on this woman, on this human being who had been raped, who had been subjugated. And I just it made me very uncomfortable. And if you look at her at the time, you could tell that it bothered her a lot as well. I mean, that's a great point that definitely does resonate with black women. Um, just putting a price tag on, you know, our agency, our sexuality. We were owned. And I think that the movie did a good job at just reemphasizing that no matter how well you did, no matter how much your slave master liked you or favored you or raped you or like Thomas Jefferson was supposedly in love with his slave. No, he right. owned her. He did not. How you don't love somebody that you own. Mm -hmm. And even when Kizzy was a little girl with her little white friend and they were playing on they were playing together at that one point, that little white girl always recertified that I'm your owner. There was this one point where Kizzy where she wanted to see Kizzy's pubic hair. And she's like, well, it's my right. Like and they're like 13, 14 years old. And there right. were other points where that little slave owner, she she always lets her know, like at the end of the day, Kizzy, you're my best friend, but you're also my slave. Right. I mean, listen, even from the very beginning of Kizzy being sold, the very first scene when she's on Tom Lee's farm is him walking in to rape her. Oh, and, yeah. And him being like, it's my right. It's oh, my yeah. right. Yep. Like, I own you. It's my right to be able to have you whenever I want to have you. You know, like he, he continuously rapes her. But, you know, also about the the sexual agency, as you mentioned, and this idea about her worth being connected to whether or not she could still have kids. It's because what's better than getting more slaves for nothing that you don't have to buy? I mean, that was part of the reason where they wanted female slaves and why there was so much breeding going on, where they were forcing people to have more children is because they wanted them. It was literally their way to get more slaves without having to pay for them. And speaking of black women, another part that that really resonated with me was when Matilda expressed so much worry and concern for her son, Tom, when he said he was going to run an errand. And she tells him, well, you know, it only takes one crazy redneck for you to lose your life. And that is 1860. And that I felt that so deeply because this is the same fear that black mothers have every time they send their sons out into a world where they could either be choked to death, they could be shot in the back, they could be killed by a white police officer or a vigilante if they're wearing a hoodie, or they can even be shot by, you know, walking to like a, a gang, like walking to some gang violence. So I really, really felt that part. You, you know what was interesting is about the um, union spy, the woman, the white woman who was yeah. a union spy, when, they, yeah. when um, Tom, Tom Jr. was saying, you know, well, you can be a spy. Nothing's going to happen to you. They'll kill me. And then when they found out that she was a spy and they were trying to hang the black guy, she killed, she shot the black guy, killed him so he wouldn't have to be hung. And they hung her. Yeah. I was like, wow. I don't know if that is historically accurate, but what? I did appreciate. I'm sure some got hung. Like, I'm sure like white, it wasn't. White women? Yeah. I don't I, know I if that yeah, was historically Yeah, because it sends a message. I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised that at some point that some white woman was hung to send a message to other people that like where, you know, if you try and infiltrate us, if you try and send secrets back to the Union Army, like we don't care, we'll hang yeah. you also. Like that one surprised me. Another thing, um, I know we're going to be ending soon, but another connection that I think is really important and something that we're going to talk about during the news roundup, uh, you know, is Muhammad Ali, right? Is this idea of um, there's a big point where Kizzy's like, I'm not worshiping the Christian God. I'm not worshiping the white person's God. A lot of people don't realize that Islam was brought to uh, Senegal and Gambia in the 
12th century, in about the 1100s, 95% of Senegal, uh, people living in Senegal and Gambia today are Muslim. And um, there's references made about Allah at the very beginning of the first episode. So um, it is interesting to see that when uh, Africans were brought here, they not only did they lose their cultural identity, but they also lost their religious identity. Even today, we see a lot of black people living in the United States are Christian. Now, as Selena mentioned to me on the phone Thursday night, there are still there are a lot of um, black Muslims. And there's also people who like Muhammad Ali, who was born Cassius Clay. He gave up what he called his slave name and converted back to the nation of Islam because he 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 felt that, you know, it was the white man's religion. And there's a great line where she talks about God and the Israelites. And she mentions Passover um, Kizzy in the episode. And she said, like, I'm not worshiping your white God. Like, you know, you think that you you think that this book was written for us. I mean, God was talking about bringing the Jews out of Egypt, about bringing them out of slavery. Like, how could you worship this God? This isn't my God. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was such an interesting connection. I know we're going to get into talking more about Muhammad Ali during the news roundup. But even, you know, you look at that today and people converting to you know, to Islam and changing their name to an Islamic name. And that is also direct correlation back to Africa, to the 12th century, when people were were Islamic and then when they were sold here and became Christian. So I thought that's really interesting as well. No, that is very interesting. Unfortunately, we are bringing this discussion to a close. But before we do, I want to give um, everyone who has a final comment just some time to just wrap things up, bring it to full hedge. And also, you know, we named this title, uh, we named this segment, you know, what does freedom look like, right? Roots Now and Then, what does freedom look like? You know, if you guys can sort of tie that question into your wrap-up, that'd be great. Once again, putting the pressure on selling. Just (laughs) kidding. So... Um, I was not happy when I first heard about the Roots remake. Really? Yeah, well, not, not that I wasn't happy. I was just frustrated because I'm like, why can't we t- tell some other stories? Why can't we talk, oh. tell a story about Cleopatra? Why can't we tell some of these stories? But I'm, I'm really glad that I watched it. I learned a lot from it. And, you know, you know, w- one of the things that I think I'm happiest about from that story is that you can't run away from your past. You have to embrace your past. You really do. And I just wish that the people who needed to watch this would watch this and would get the prop- the appropriate message from this. But I just don't understand how people like our um, good friend Larry Elder can see something like this and not think that people, African-Americans don't deserve reparations. Right. Thank you for that. Final words? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just uh, what struck me about it is just like the just this very idea of owning another human being, which I find to be just perverse completely perverse. But I I mentioned something the other night when I was speaking to to you guys on the phone. I think it's really important. And it's something, you know, like that Jews talk about all the time is, you know, you have to watch things that are hard, because if you don't, you're bound to repeat them. And I know I mentioned that earlier in this segment, but I think that's what's so important about this. It's not easy to watch. It's difficult, but that doesn't mean you should shy away from it. The things that are the most difficult to watch are the things that are the most important to watch because we need to understand, um, you know, whether it's our own roots or whether what other people in our own country did to other people and how that affects generations to even today. Um, Because if we don't understand the history, we can't understand why things are today the way they are and that doesn't help us to improve the situation of people for the future and so that's why I think this is so important and I'm very glad that they remade it. Chatting. Yeah and I think I, I agreed with Stanley a little bit where at first I, I heard about the remake and I saw that it was on the History Channel and I know that the original airing of Roots was such a cultural um, 
nationwide phenomenon that everybody came together. It was one of the highest rated television programs in history. Um, and I, I, when I heard that it was going to be on the History Channel, I didn't anticipate that kind of response. And it wasn't, right? Like, this wasn't the cultural phenomenon that it was in the 70s. However, um, so... So I was worried that the people that should be watching this weren't going to see it, right? Um, because they weren't going to get the history and understand um, where people were coming from in this country. But I do think that overall this is important. I think that the people who wanted to watch this, who felt culturally connected to the characters in the story, I think that it's important that there's a story for them, that there's a representation that sh- that depicts accurate history or you know, fictional characters that lived a real life um, that lived the experiences that many real people did, that we are witnessing that for the exact reasons Alyssa said, that it's important to never forget that these events occurred. We have to know about the history of our country, what our country was built on. It wasn't just like miracles and fairy dust that built the country. It was on the backs of slaves. It's important for everybody to remember that so that we don't make the same mistakes again going into the future. And it's important to see how history does repeat itself and how someone saying in the 1860s that you have to fear just a crazy white person um, running around who could potentially take your life, how that was true 100 years later in 1960 and how that could even be true today. It's important to remember that the history may be in the past, but we still have a long way to go. Right. Um, You know, I just want to close by saying that another part of the movie that really, really, really struck me was when Kunta was first brought to the South and he was shocked by how many slave owners actually succeeded in bringing their slaves into full submission. Like he got off that wagon and was like, help me, brothers, help me, come on. And then at one point he was like, hold on, there's only one slave master and there's like dozens of slaves. Why aren't you guys revolting? And that right there showed me that not every oppressed person recognizes their own oppression. And if you do not recognize your own oppression, then there is absolutely no way that you can fight against this larger systematic ill that enslaves all of us. And I was like, with that right there, stay woke. Stay woke. We need to watch this. You need to tell your kid. But I already, I started telling my sister when she was eight, nine years old. I was like, we're not celebrating um, Columbus Day. Let me tell you who your ancestors are. Let me break it down for you because your teacher's not telling you this. And nobody, is tell- nobody told me this. My seventh grade teacher told me slavery wasn't that bad. Hollywood just did all of this for dramatics. That's what I was told growing up. So I'm like, and you know, I understand my grandmother and like my great aunts and uncles. It's still very painful. Like they are the direct descendants of slaves and of slave rapes. And you can see it in my family. So they don't like to talk about that. But honestly, like Stanley said, it's time for us to embrace this pain and to use it to empower our people. Honestly, like we need to never forget, too. And this is American history. It's not just black history. On that note, we are going to take a brief break. But when we come back, we're jumping right into the news roundup. And, of course, we'll be talking about the greatest Muhammad Ali right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. 